Well, good morning, church. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm Pastor Chris Fukunaga. We're glad that you're here on our Easter Sunday service. Um, we pray that you will be blessed during this time as we um, come together to celebrate the resurrection of our risen Lord. Um, wherever you're at in your faith, whether you're a believer, we hope your faith will be built up during this time. If, you're, uh, if you've been away from the Lord, we hope that you'll recommit yourself uh, to the Lord. And maybe you've, you're checking out uh, who Jesus is for the first time, and we want to encourage you to take a step of faith to give your life to the Lord here during this time. We know you'll be blessed. This Easter weekend has all of us thinking about issues of life and death during the coronavirus event. It's amazing to think about how many changes have happened just really over the course of a month because of the coronavirus. Um, Jay was here, who was doing worship a few moments ago, and he came in this morning and he said, Chris, can you believe that in Long Beach, which is where I live, he said, can you believe in Long Beach when you go to the grocery store that you have to wear a mask now? And Mike uh, immediately said, well, Jay, at least it's not the mark of the beast. Oh, okay, Mike. Uh, but stick around. That will be coming in our future. But there's been a lot of changes uh, within the past month. And I think in the future, we've been asking ourselves, what is going to be happening? What is going to be happening with our lives in terms of our job? What's going to be happening in terms of uh, our lives, in terms of the economy, in terms of our health, in terms of our ability to socialize and to, to meet people? What's going to be happening to our lives? And I think we're also asking questions about what's going to be happening in death. Um, are we going to know people that have gotten sick or died of the coronavirus? Is that going to happen to me? Because uh, am I going to be one of the 60,000 estimated people who will die in the United States by the month of August as of April 12th, today, 2020? And so I think during the coronavirus, we've been thinking about issues of life and death. And on Easter weekend, we've also been thinking about issues of life and death. During our Good Friday service, we asked the question of at what point does the reality of death become real to us? And we answered that question by saying, death becomes real to us, the reality of it, when we look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it's only when we look to his crucifixion and death do we fully realize the consequences of our own spiritual and physical death without him. And so we've been asking questions of death during uh, Easter weekend and Good Friday. And this morning on Easter Sunday, we want to ask the next question, which is, do I believe that I need the resurrection and life of Jesus Christ? Jesus said this in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is the question we want to look at this morning. Do we believe that we need the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. Father, we are at a historical moment in human history where going back to the time 
of the flood of the entire planet during the time of Noah, there has never been another time when the entire world has come to a full stop. And this is a historic moment. But this morning, as we celebrate, as we remember, as we proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that that was the most historic moment in human history, his death and his subsequent resurrection. And I pray, Lord, that we would believe. I pray we would believe that we need the resurrection and life of Jesus Christ and that we would be built up in our faith, that we would find a Jesus who welcomes back, us back to the faith and that maybe some of us will cross the line of faith for the very first time and I pray you would use this time um, to reach all of us in a way that we need to see you, Lord. May we know this morning not just um, the fellowship of Christ's suffering on Good Friday, but the power of his resurrection here on Easter Sunday. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I want to look at this word belief, and then we're going to look at this phrase resurrection and life. This word belief came from the Greek word pistuo, which means not just to believe something intellectually, but to trust in something or trust in someone, to commit yourself to something or to someone. And so when Jesus says, whoever believes in me, he is really saying, whoever commits yourself to me, whoever trusts in me shall never die. And do we want to commit to this? Do we want to trust in him? Let me ask you a question. What does belief look like during a normal Easter Sunday? What is the, uh, the outward manifestation of a Christian's belief look like on a typical Easter Sunday uh, when we come together as a church? For most of us, uh, belief looks like on a typical Easter Sunday where we come together, we're dressed in our Sunday best, our families look perfect, we get together for uh, an Easter supper, maybe we have an egg hunt for the kids, we sit down for some NBA basketball. And then as the days after Easter Sunday progress, uh, we, we enjoy our spring break off of school, and then we begin to plan our summer vacations when the weather is better. That is, for most Christians, a typical definition of what belief looks like at Easter and the days after Easter. We want this morning to look at what belief or disbelief looked like for the early church in that first Easter, because I think that will be tremendously encouraging to us that what we will discover as we look at several of the people who are surrounding the resurrection story is that belief or disbelief was all over the place during the resurrection. That belief or disbelief was not um, your Sunday best, where it was a, a, a um, anesthetized, kind of sanitized version of faith that we all gather together as followers of Jesus Christ in the church on Easter. No, when we look at the actual gospel account, all of the gospel accounts, what we discover is that belief in that first Easter was a zigzag experience. Belief was um, something that Jesus 
embraced in all spheres and all the whole continuum of what it looked like. And so let's, I'm going to uh, look at several characters, several people that surrounded the Easter event. I want you to ask yourself, which one of these people does my current belief identify with? When Jesus rose from the dead and uh, the, the Roman guards were struck down and put to sleep, and then they woke up and then they realized that Jesus' body was no longer there, they went back to the religious leaders, and the Gospels tell us, and the religious leaders told them, we are going to give you some money as the Roman guards. You take this money and you're going to uh, go tell Anyone else who comes and asks where Jesus is, you're going to lie and you're going to tell anyone that asks you that the disciples came, they overpowered you, they moved the rock, and they stole the body. And so the Roman guards perpetuated that lie, being paid off by the religious leaders, um, and they sold out what little belief they might have had in a resurrected Jesus Christ. They sold that out to the world. They took money. And they perpetrated a lie. And I wonder if some of us here today can relate to that level of disbelief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wonder if we look at this and say, uh, you know, the reality is I, ha I too am like the Roman guards. I have sold out my previous faith or what little faith I might have had to something that the world has offered me, some temptation that the world has, have, has given to me. For the Roman guards, it was money. But I have known many people throughout uh, my 20 years as a pastor who, when the world put something before them, whether it was a career that would take them away from their involvement in church, or it was um, a person that they could marry that did not worship God, but it was their opportunity to get married, or whatever it might be, uh, I've known many people who have given into that temptation when the world put something before them to choose between that and their faith like the Roman guards or their and, and and their disbelief that they chose to walk away from Jesus Christ and to live a lie and maybe you might be here and that's you you can identify with the temptation and the succumbing to the world to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ there were the women who came to the tomb and that was Mary Magdalene, Mary, uh, the mother of James. There was uh, Joanna, uh, Salome, and the other women who came to the tomb. And uh, some of them met Jesus. And the scripture says in the Gospels that they were afraid. But they were filled with joy. And so they ran back to the disciples and started telling them, Peter and the other disciples, that Jesus has risen. The women's experience at the tomb, seeing Jesus, was that they were afraid, they were full of joy, but then when they told the disciples, they were dismissed. They, they, they wouldn't believe these women. They couldn't believe it was true. And you can just imagine the disciples looking at them and saying, well, you know what, I might believe it if I see it, but uh, who are you to say this to me? And maybe some of you can relate to that um, experience of belief or disbelief during uh, this particular Easter. Uh, just like the women who were trying to persuade the disciples, maybe you are in a situation right now where you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have met the resurrected Savior and you're trying to convince your loved ones. 
that he is real and they are dismissing you. You might have an unbelieving spouse, an unbelieving family member, an unbelieving friend, an unbelieving coworker that you have for years been trying to proclaim Jesus Christ to only to be rejected and dismissed. I did that for 20 years with my father um, until he gave his life to Christ uh, on and uh, 2006 and I was able to baptize him off the beach of Long Beach on Easter of 2006 before he passed away several years later. But maybe you're like the women, you can relate to that belief amidst disbelief on this Easter Resurrection Sunday. Or maybe you're not like the Roman guards, you're not like the women, you're like the two disciples that Jesus met on the road to Emmaus. And when these two disciples were walking along the road, the Gospels tell us in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus came alongside them. And he started talking to them. What are you guys talking about? Um, tell me what is on your heart. And it says in the Gospel of Luke that they did not even recognize him, even though he was talking with them in the flesh after he had been resurrected. And they only recognized him when Jesus started uh, proving to him that he was the Messiah from Moses and the prophets in the Old Testament, it says. But at first, they were in ignorance. Jesus was right in front of them, and they could not recognize him. And you might be here uh, this morning, and that's a, a good definition of your belief, is that you've been living in ignorance, that you believe that to be a Christian means that you grew up in a Christian family. To be a Christian means that you simply attend church, maybe on Christmas or on Easter. To be a Christian is something that you can accomplish by simply trying to be a good person. And like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus can be right in front of us offering his love and his grace and his life and we don't see the way to belief in him because we are believing in other things. We're believing in ignorance of these other things that would save us. And Jesus is saying to us in the scriptures is whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe in me, not in these other things? Maybe you can relate to Thomas and the disciples and their level of belief or disbelief during the resurrection. They were marked by doubt and disbelief in the evidence of Christ. They had to see the evidence of Christ in order to believe. The, the evidence of, uh, of uh, the women coming to them wasn't enough. Thomas and the other disciples said, we have to see with our own eyes. We have to see the evidence before we believe. And maybe you can relate to that. You're here and, and you're saying, um, prove it to me, Pastor Chris. I mean, tell me about all of the eyewitnesses that saw Jesus. The 10 times that he appeared throughout the resurrection before he ascended back into heaven in Acts chapter 1. Tell me about that. Tell me about the time when he appeared to 500 people, uh, as Paul records in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Give me that evidence of all of those eyewitnesses that saw Jesus and these books, these gospels, uh, the epistle of 1 Corinthians were written during the time when these witnesses would have been alive. And so if it was false, these witnesses that were alive during what the gospel and the uh, writers and the writer uh, Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians were saying, 
that they would have been able to dispute that, and yet they did not. So give me that evidence, Pastor Chris, before I believe, before I uh, get rid of my doubt. Give me some more evidence. Like, why would these disciples die for something that they knew was a lie? Why, if they really stole the body of Jesus Christ, if they really propagated this lie upon the entire world, why would they die for that? Men don't die for a lie. They might die for a, what uh, they believe to be the truth, which ends up being a lie, but no man dies for a lie that they know to be a lie. The disciples died for Jesus Christ. They believed it was true because they saw it to be true because Jesus had been resurrected. Um, you say, give me some more evidence, Pastor Chris. What about all of the changed lives of Christians that you know? Now, we Christians, we're not, um, we're not perfect. We can be hypocritical at times. We can be overly judgmental. But most Christians, most real followers of Jesus Christ who are committed to living lives that are devoted to him, I have found, um, have had their lives genuinely changed by Christ. Uh, some of them came from deep patterns of sin, and they understand the depth of the forgiveness that Jesus has given to them. So others of them um, have lived a relatively good life, but they realized that their good works were not enough, and they wanted to be devoted to God's good works through Christ Jesus and have his work accomplish what it did on the cross. What evidence is it going to take to persuade you in the way that Thomas and the disciples were persuaded? What, what's it going to take for you to believe that Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead? Um, I hate to break this to you, but if you're waiting for God to do a miracle in your life, in order for you to believe, if you, if you made some kind of bargain with God, that God, I will believe in you if you do this miracle in my life, I hate to break this to you, but your miracle is not coming. Your miracle is not going to happen in order for you to believe. This is what Jesus said throughout the Gospels. He said, uh, even if someone rises from the dead, you know, comes, rises from the dead and and, and comes to warn people about the coming judgment. He said this in the uh, parable of the rich man and Lazarus. He said they won't believe if they don't believe Moses and the prophets. Translation, Jesus was saying if there's a miracle to be done in order for people to believe, they won't even believe that uh, if they don't believe what the scriptures are telling them that Jesus has risen again. Jesus said to the religious leaders, you want a miracle from me in order to believe? The only miracle that's going to be given to you is the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the sign, uh, belly of the whale for three days and was spitted out, so the Son of Man will be in the earth for three days and then rise again. That is the miracle that Jesus has for you for your belief, that he has risen from the dead as testified in Scripture. Do you relate to the Roman guards and their belief or disbelief? Do you relate to the women, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Thomas and the disciples, or maybe you're here today and you relate best to the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter had the world, the forces of the world, persecuting him on the night that Jesus was crucified. And behind that, there was a satanic ploy to bring Peter down. And 
Peter denied Jesus, as Jesus predicted, three times before the rooster crowed. I would argue that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not really um, real in Peter's life to really restore him until Jesus came to him and says, Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Because Peter was convicted of his past denial and he realized that Jesus had re-embraced him. Peter was a believer at that point, but I think Jesus restored him and he truly experienced the true power of the resurrection in that moment. Maybe you're here today and you can relate to Peter. And you have had the weight and the force of the world and satanic forces come against you. And you have found yourself in weaker moments to deny Jesus Christ in our choices, in your choices that you've made. And you are here this morning, you feel beaten down by the world, beaten down by evil people, beaten down by evil. And you're here and you realize that you've fallen short. And Jesus' message to you this morning is to believe in him, to come back to him. Your past betrayal of Jesus is not greater than his forgiveness and love and resurrection power in your life here today. And finally, maybe you can't relate to all of them, but for all believers that were there in that first resurrection Easter and the days following, their level of belief went through a time of where they were scrambling through a time of rapid change. There was 40 days between the resurrection to the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations, to the ascension of Jesus. That's a little under six weeks. And imagine all of this rapid change that was happening in the life of the disciples that was causing them to believe. They, they, they must have felt like they were swept along by the movement of God, going from he has risen to now he has commissioned us, to now he has gone to heaven, and now he has sent us the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And maybe you feel that this morning. In your belief, maybe you're waiting for God to show up. And what we need to recognize is that for the believers there at that first Easter, belief was an experience of rapid change and movement and scrambling. See, God is not going to wait. He's not going to wait for us to be ready. Sometimes God just shakes us. He moves us out of our unbelief because he wants us to move forward with his plan for our life and to use our life in a mighty way to reach others. Sometimes God does not wait and go by our timetable. And so who can you relate to in terms of belief? Is it the Roman guards? Is it the women, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? Is it Thomas and the disciples, Peter, all the believers? What we discover in that first Easter is that belief was all over the place. Uh, My wife painted this art piece just this morning, uh, just in a short amount of time, to represent what belief looked like that first Easter in the middle of new life. Belief zigged, it zagged. Sometimes there was disbelief. Sometimes there was belief that had to happen quickly when God summoned people. Jesus' resurrection can meet you in your various stages of belief, wherever you're at. 
And so I encourage you, belief in the Bible is not primarily anesthetized and sanitized to look perfect. It looks very imperfect. But the common cure to the disease that people had of disbelief in those days was they looked to Jesus who had risen from the dead. Will you do that today? Let's look at the phrase resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. What does it mean when Jesus says he is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that you need the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ this Easter? Because not everyone does. Not everyone believes that they need the resurrection and life of Jesus Christ. But everyone does believe that they need some kind of resurrection this Easter. It may not be from Jesus, but everyone wants some kind of resurrection this Easter. Some of us, we want an economic resurrection during this full economic stop. We want the economy to be resurrected. Others of us, we want a resurrection to uh, the relationships that we've had to say goodbye to and we only connect to electronically because we're social distancing from one another. Others of us, we want a resurrection of our freedoms. We want to escape this self-quarantine and be able to go where we want to go when we want to go there. Others of us, maybe pre-coronavirus, we wanted a personal resurrection in our growth as a human being. We were looking at our lives and saying, you know what, I've got bad habits, I've got hang-ups, I don't want these personal choices that are negative to hold me back anymore. Um, I want to experience a personal resurrection to trying to fix myself on my own. Everyone believes and wants some kind of resurrection. But not everyone believes and wants the resurrection and life of Jesus Christ. To understand the importance of the resurrection and life of Jesus Christ, I want to draw a parallel between the coronavirus event and the gospel. Think for a moment of the people that have gotten sick, or the people who have gotten sick and died of the coronavirus, which today, April 12th, Easter Sunday, is a little over 20,000 people here in the United States and growing. What happened in their life when they got sick and died? They started out as healthy people, just like you and I, going about our lives, enjoying our families, our jobs, nature, just enjoying the life, the the gift of life that God has given to us. They started out healthy. And when the coronavirus hit, they realized that they had to sanitize themselves. They had to social distance. They had to use hand sanitizer. They had to wash their hands, maybe wear a mask. And so everyone looked to to be in the most sanitized environment that we could, and we were healthy. And then some people, for some reason or another, got sick by the virus. And when they got sick, they tried to recover. And maybe they tried to recover at home first, and then they realized that they were so sick that they had to go to the hospital. And when they went to the hospital, they were looking to be cured of their sickness, maybe put on a ventilator. And... The people who did not recover from that then died. And the people who died 
of the coronavirus. If you were in a place like the country of Iran today, or maybe the city of New York City, they're now starting to dig enormous ditches in the ground because they have so many bodies. And these people are being put in these ditches. People who got the coronavirus and died from it went from healthy to trying to sanitize their environment, to getting sick from the virus, to trying to recover, to trying to be cured, to dying, and then to be putting be put in a ditch. And that is the story of Good Friday. What, what, that is the beginning story of the gospel. We were healthy in the Garden of Eden. We had a perfect relationship between us and God and us and each other. And then because of the sin of Adam and Eve, um, we, we had to leave this sanitized environment and we had to start social distancing from one another. And this sin led to a virus that infected the entire human race that every one of us got from Adam. And then every one of us, through our own sin, it was perpetuated. And then we tried to recover from this virus by um, coming to God and saying, I'll just try and be a good person. I'll try and do good works or I'll create this man-made religion that will try and cure my sickness. It will help me to recover from this spiritual virus. And then we realized that that wasn't going to work. And we realized that through all this time, we were destined to die. And destined to die to face spiritual sin or the the penalty and the judgment for our spiritual sin the virus of our spiritual sin to face god's judgment because of that and instead of being put in a ditch in the ground we were headed to a place in eternity that was separated from god that the bible calls hell the good news of the gospel of jesus christ is that Through his resurrection and his life, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, he will live. What is the importance of the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ? Belief goes up and down, but the the power and the life of Jesus Christ is big enough to bring that back to himself. And what is he bringing us back to in the resurrection and the life? And here's the good news of Easter Sunday. Here is the good news of the resurrection of the life of Jesus Christ. Is that he has risen from the dead to overcome death. His life is the cure for our spiritual sin. We no longer have to live and die apart from God. But Jesus, through his resurrection, through the empty tomb that signifies that death no longer has hold on him, that we no longer live as dead men and dead women, but he, through his resurrected life, now lives through us. Paul said it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And this is the message of hope on Easter Sunday, that Jesus Christ, who has overcome sin and death on the cross and has risen again, will offer you 
the power of his resurrection, the life of his life living through you to reconcile you to God, to bring you back to God if you have gone astray or if you have been a follower of Jesus Christ to strengthen your faith here on Easter morning. Where are you this Easter Sunday morning? Maybe you're a believer and um, you want you need to be reminded that Jesus offers you the power of his resurrection and he has guaranteed your citizenship in heaven. And he is your Lord and your Savior. And he has paid the ultimate price for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you once professed your faith, but you have strayed away. And what the Lord wants you to know, just like the examples that we looked at a few moments ago, that even though you may have denied him and abandoned him like Peter, even though you might have been like Thomas and the disciples and you have doubted him, when Jesus shows up in your life, he can bring you back. He will embrace you. Turn to him and recommit your life to Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10. He said, if anyone confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and believes in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, they will be saved. Will you make that commitment here this morning? The coronavirus event has all of us thinking about issues of life and death. What better time to commit your life to Jesus Christ than this time on Easter Sunday? What better time to experience the eternal life that Jesus Christ offers you? What better time to experience the grace and the forgiveness and the love of God than on this Easter Sunday? What better time to move from the dark kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of light of Jesus Christ? What better time to move our citizenship from the world and eternal death than to citizenship in heaven? And so, praise Jesus because we believe. We believe in his resurrection. We believe in his life. And we do believe. Let's pray together. Father, we declare on this Easter morning that we believe. We believe that you are the life. We believe that we, though we may die physically, we will never die spiritually, both here on this earth and in all of eternity. We pray, Lord, that you would reach us wherever our level of belief is. And I pray, God, that your name would be lifted up uh, we have a heightened awareness of issues of life and death on this day. And so, Lord, may the life of Christ reign throughout this entire planet on this historic moment where the name of Jesus is lifted up. Lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.